Proto fam, before we start, we want to thank our sponsors at FanDuel. You want to know the only thing better than winning? It's winning cold, hard cash. And the best way to play fantasy football and win is with FanDuel. From double-ups to giant tournaments and private contests, there are a million ways to win every single week. And if you sign up at FanDuel.com slash Fantasy or... Click on the link on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. FanDuel will match 20% of your first deposit with your first bet up to $500. FanDuel is just handing out money for you to play with. Plus, Brodo has you covered with optimizer lineups and weekly DFS articles on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. We'll help you come out on top. Sign up today, play some lineups, and win some cash. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. What's up, sports fans? Sports fans. Uh, Jason here hosting today. Tim is on baby duties. Baby That's what daddy when you have duties. A child who is almost six months old. Six months now. Right? Super cute. Crazy. Things pop up that you can't control, but Tim is hoping to be on the second episode, so you might hear him on the second one. Who yep. knows? Um, but either way, we're left in good hands. You're left in good hands. Recording a tad bit earlier today, 7.35. Yeah. Um, Tim left us with his notes that he wanted us to say, so we'll sprinkle them in. And we won't announce when they're Tim's because he didn't appreciate the way that I um The whole Kyler uh, on the Monday pod. <laughs> Um, but before we get into that, let us tell you about the super awesome Fantasy Football by Brodo app on all app stores today. It literally has everything you need. It has player cards, which are super cool and tell you all the information you need to know about a player. It has statistics. It has exclusive statistics, a start-sit tool, a defensive points allowed tool, yards over expected tool, game logs, um, usage charts, uh, player comps, rankings, waivers, this podcast, betting corner. We have recommended bets. And we tell you, even if you don't want to use our recommended bets, we recommend you do. That's why they're recommended. Um, you could look at the spreads and such. For example, I just opened it up, and I now know that the Packers are 12.5-point favorites over the Bears. And I just decided that I might just keep this open during the podcast and note it every time. Um, and, yeah, so it's good stuff. You can download it today for free. And it's free because of the— Did you say free? Free! Free. For free, free. And it's free thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash Fantasy, the dopest of them all. Um, the playoffs are starting soon for Brodo Leagues. That's one perk from the Patreon. All the winners are going to get a party belt, 15% off at partybelts.com, a code Brodo. Well, the winners <laughs> of the Brodo Patron Leagues get it for free. Get enjoy. a free belt, another perk. There's beer holders on the belt. And then... The Discord, we now have a redraft, DFS, Dynasty, Baseball, Basketball, uh, Hockey, Life, Chat. It's always popping in there. You can join that today at patreon.com slash protofantasy for as little as $3 per month. Yep. And with that being said, let's start this fucking game. And, well, let's start this fucking podcast. And I, I need to shit on Tim one time while he's not here. Oh, yeah. Because if you Google NFL schedule, Googly, Googly. all these schedules always use the same format. Right, it's like, like look at it anywhere. It's Saints, Jets, Falcons, Panthers, Te- Seahawks, Texans, Raiders, Chiefs. I don't know where Tim gets his schedule from. Yeah, me neither. It's always. But different. Tim sends us the schedule on Monday or Tuesday, so we know what order we're gonna go in on the podcast, and it's just always different, and it pisses me off. 
Yeah, it gets me mad. So, folks, we're not starting with the Saints and Jets. We're starting with the Cowboys at the Washington football team. Also, we're not starting with a Thursday game because we preview that on the waiver pod. Correct. Which is for patrons. Yeah, the waiver pod. I didn't even mention that. The paver wad. The paver wad is what we now call it because of, I don't know, an inside joke with the patrons. So we have Cowboys at Washington. Um, This game should be a good one because Washington is fighting for a playoff spot. The Cowboys are skidding a little bit and are still in the lead in the on, in the NFC East. I believe there are two games coming up against Washington. So there's a lot of playoff implications here. And both teams have been uh, playing decently well this season. We'll start off with the Washington football team because that offense has been pretty um, funnily. And even the funnel hasn't been a guaranteed success. Let's look at Michael's favorite person, Terry McLaurin. Me over his past five games, Terry McLaurin has finished as a top 10 wide receiver once. The other four games, he's been outside the top 30. I personally think this is a good week for Amari Cooper and Terry McLaurin. I think this is the disappointing wide receiver comeback game. Because Amari Cooper... He's healthy again. Played 40% of the snaps, but actually made an impact. Low-key good thing about COVID for him is that he was able to get healthy again. Yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin hasn't... Uh, been his best self recently. I like this game a lot for Amari Cooper and Terry McLaurin. Outside of that, I'm not trusting. I know DeAndre Carter has popped every now and then for the Washington football team. Are there any other pass catchers on Washington? No, DeAndre Carter, Adam Humphreys and company. You can't really trust those guys. Terry McLaurin has always been a guy who plays above what you expect, um, especially according to true throw value. But Excuse me, true target value. His true target value this year is a bit higher than it has been in years past. He's wide receiver 20. I think that's more, like, I think that's a better takeaway of what you could expect from Terry McLaurin, like, around wide receiver 20-ish because of he has that huge ceiling, but he also has the very low floor, as we've seen several times. Um, And in this game against Dallas, look, Dallas is a very strong team this year, but they have been beatable through the air. Um, What's his face? Diggs is a ball hawk. But he also allows his opponents to catch passes. Like, he intercepts a lot of balls, but he's also not like this shutdown corner just yet. Um, and the Cowboys are fifth in points over average to opposing wide receivers. So I do think this could be a McLaurin game. What's the uh, the, the betting corner say since you wanted to be Mr. Betting Corner today? I literally said Cowboys I think I'm going to say that, and then I forgot to do it. Cause... Yeah, so I do think Terry McLaurin is certainly... This is one of the games where you are uh, excited to play him. Um, but the Washington... Washington offense has go ahead. Washington is plus three and a half and the Vegas total implied total is 48 and a half, which is the third highest implied total in the NFL this week. And Washington during their four game winning streak have allowed 19, 21, 15 and 15. And the 19 was against Tampa Bay. So their defense has really locked it up, which has allowed their offense to play more conservative. Um, Taylor Heineke has not thrown for more than 225 yards in any of the last three games, which, of course, is not ideal for Terry McLaurin, but Dallas's offense gives them the ability to uh, to possibly get Force into a, a shootout. shootout where they may have to end up passing a bit more. Yeah, I don't hate Terry Mc- uh, Taylor Heineke as a potential deep sleeper quarterback, as a deep streamer. When he's been on this year, he's been a QB1, so you just got to hope it's one of those games. The running backs here are interesting because we have the Washington football team where J.D. McKissick is expected back, unfortunately, for Antonio Gibson. And then we go over to Dallas where Tony Pollard has a torn plantar fascia, 
And it's now a game-time decision. That's something Taysom Hill played through last week. But Taysom Hill's a quarterback. I know he's technically like a running back, too, <laughs> if you think about it. But, I mean, he's not as dynamic as Tony Pollard is. And he's not going to get the same amount of work as he was getting. Yeah, it's going to be good for Zeke, who's been on a downward trend for weeks now. Are you concerned about... What's the name I'm looking for? Antonio Gibson with McKissick back. Uh, not really. Antonio Gibson has had his role for ever since the bye week, um, just expanding over and over and over. Dallas is low-key a pretty difficult matchup for opposing running backs. Uh, they're 29th in points over average, 29th as well in running backs for receiving, 23rd in running backs for rushing, so slightly worse against rushing, which is better for Antonio Gibson, though he's also been getting a lot more involved in the passing game over the last couple of weeks, seeing... Uh, 13 targets over the last two weeks, which is by far um, a season high or even a career high in back-to-back games for Gibson. Let's see how it goes this week against Dallas in a tough matchup, but with the way he's been rolling, I think you could uh, happily play him as a uh, a running back one. Not not like a top five type of guy, but mid to low end RB1. Yeah, um, and then we'll go to the rest of the pass catchers left. First of all, I don't love Michael Gallup and Cooper and Lamer healthy. I think that that would be a mistake. And that's also because Dalton Schultz gets targets. He's not the surefire tight end one he once was. But he's remained in the back end tight end one, high end tight end two category because of the targets he's seeing. I don't see why that would change. It's not like Washington's a super imposing defense. And I also think that Ricky Seals-Jones is an interesting play. Heels-Bones, as we like to call him, basically just steps into Logan Thomas's role when Logan Thomas is out. Yeah, And that's someone I want. And if you look at the... Rest of season, strength of schedule, and defensive points over average, Brodo exclusive, where we take into consideration who you've played against when weighing how many fantasy points you've given up. Number one is Ricky Seals-Jones. He has the best tight end schedule remaining the rest of the year. Yep. Pick him up. Facts only. Facts. I also wanted Facts to ask similar. Taylor Heineke, who you said has a sneaky streaming appeal. Cowboys are ninth in uh, in points over average to rushing quarterbacks. Which is sneaky good for Taylor Heineke, who could uh, use his legs every now and then. But um, I think this is a game where you... uh, It should be... I know these are... The Washington defense especially has been turning up of late. I'm not super afraid of playing my CeeDee Lamb, Cooper, Dak, McLaurin, and Gibson types. Um, I don't know about J.D. McKissick here. Like I said, the Cowboys are tremendous against the running backs, especially against receiving running backs. 29th in points over average. Uh, McKissick is coming back off of an, a concussion. He's been limited in practice. Not ideal. Um, so I'd likely look elsewhere if I could. I understand injury concerns and such. Maybe you have to play McKissick. But this may be one of his uh, more so down weeks. Anyone else you want to talk about good soil? I think Zach <laughs> made QB1 at this point. Um with a frustrating floor at times, but he also has a decent ceiling, and I think this is a a good game for him to have a good game with uh, the the division the division on the line. Not technically on the line. Dallas would keep it, would stay in first in division, but a very big division game for sure. Yeah, uh, you're starting for sure. You're starting Dak unless you drafted him, and oh no, you're starting him over Jalen Hurts too because Jalen Hurts on by. I'm starting Taysom Hill over Dak. Me too. Taysom Hill is my third. Quarterback. We'll get to Taysom Hill, brother, since Tim 
made us skip. Should we just go to the Saints and Jets? Should we say fuck you, Tim, and take our own schedule? If you'd like. But, yo, We're doing it, Saints and Jets. Um, let me add what you something you said you were going to do that you basically have never done again. Brick killed a guy. You just never did that. You said you were going to do it on every episode. That's it? Yeah. I thought you were like doing something important. No, oh, man. You upset me. You know what is important? The Saints and Jets. Brick killed a guy. Carry on. Saints and Jets. Um, Let me get that lineup since I said that's what I do. The lineup. The Jets are plus five. And the the, um, projected over under is 43 and a half. Give me the Jets. I mean, give me the Saints. So one of the lower scoring teams. And they're projected to keep it within five. Um, So that's what we're looking at the line here. And I think that that is based off of the assumption maybe that the Saints won't score a lot of points because they're going to be a run-first offense. And I think that's a fair assumption. Mark Ingram is going to be out with COVID. Most likely he's vaccinated, so he could come back, but doubtful. Um, So then that leaves Alvin Kamara, who practiced in full, and Taysom Hill. the Jets. Who ran for 100 rushing yards last week. And, Michael, how bad are the Jets against the running back? First in points over average, giving up 55% points over average to opposing running backs. I ranked Alvin Kamara as my first overall running back this week, even coming back off injury. I don't care. Yeah. If there's no Mark Ingram. And the thing is with Taysom Hill, like the Jets are, tw- are fifth in points over average against quarterbacks, first passing-wise, 26th rushing. But that's because they don't need to stop opposing quarterbacks rushing. Taysom Hill is basically a running back. So I'm so super excited about Taysom Hill in this matchup. I think we both have Taysom Hill. I have him at quarterback three. I'm at QB four. Yeah, so we're super high on Taysom Hill. If you have him, you should start him, man. This is a guy who's playing against the Jets. And he was quarterback four last week. He's always a top Lots six quarterback. Interceptions. He's always a top six quarterback when he plays. Just fire him up. Stop overthinking it. Um, but then the question comes... If him and Alvin Kamara are going to go apeshit, or Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway, Lil' Jordan Humphrey going to do anything, because Deontay Harris has been suspended for three games. Yep. Uh, Traquan Smith would be my choice of the bunch. I think he's a flex play this week, man. He's had some usable games um, over the past several weeks. He put up 10.5 against Tampa, 12.5 against Tennessee, 9 against Philly. He didn't do well against Dallas. Uh, two for 15, but he did see seven targets in Taysom Hill's first start. So clearly, Taysom Hill's one of Taysom Hill's favorite target. Deontay Harris is out, like you said. The Jets secondary is putrid at this point. Like they just give up points up the gazoo, no matter who they're playing against. The gazungas. Um, thirteenth in points. Bryce Hall. Shout out Bryce Hall, who the Jets drafted late last year. He could have been like a first round pick type of guy, but injuries and such. He's been balling out. Good. Balling out. Shout out Bryce Hall. So maybe Traquan Smith. like, But Traquan Smith isn't like a, a shadow type guy. Like Bryce Hall isn't going to shadow Traquan Smith. Absolutely not, no. So like I'm okay with Traquan Smith as a flex play this week. And then if we look over, you're not trusting any tight ends on the Saints. So for the Saints, it's really Traquan Smith as a dart throw type and then fire up Hill and Kamara confidently. Over on the Jets side, the offense looked pretty competent last week. Zach Wilson showed did. out pretty nicely. The story of the season for the Jets, I think. Story of my life. Is the guy who's been a top seven wide receiver since week six. The GOAT. The GOAT rookie, Elijah motherfucking Moore. Well, I was hyped the when the Jets rookie, got huh? him. 
and he's fucking killing it, man. But if these roles were flipped, he's basically doing what Jamar Chase did to start off the year. And Jamar Chase is now doing what Elijah Moore did to start the year. Super upsetting. He's missed back-to-back days of practice with a quad injury. So then there's nothing to note about this team. So, I mean, this guy's <laughs> been an absolute... He's been a top three overall receiver since the bye week. I mean, he has, like, no bad games of extent. He has some down games where he didn't win you your week, but they also didn't lose you your week. Like, you're not going to lose because your wide receiver three got you eight and ten points. But he has those explosion games, 17 and a half, 26 and a half, 23 and a half. Like, this is a guy who was doing nothing to open the season. Like, people, people were like... Do you remember all the Elijah Moore hype? And now look at him at the beginning of the season. And then the bye came, and this dude came back and was an absolute monster. With Corey Davis out, if Elijah Moore Davis misses time... is out the year, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Corey Davis out the year. If Elijah Moore misses his game, Jamison Crowder could see 10-plus targets, man. I think you have to start Crowder in PPR as a wide receiver three if Moore... Well, Davis is out if Moore is out. Especially because the Saints are absolutely dominant against running backs here in a year out. That has not changed. They're 31st in points over average against running backs, 11th against wide receivers. Sign me up for uh, some Jamison Crowder if that's the case. But, like, Keelan Cole may end up finding the end zone or something. You're not going to trust Ryan Griffin or anything. But it's hard because, like, Denzel Mims might see the field. Keelan Cole might see the field. Braxton Berrios might get some burn. I'm not trusting anyone outside of Jamison Crowder. (laughs) If Elijah Moore plays, I don't really even want to trust Jamison Crowder. And then if Moore is out, I'm trusting Crowder. Dude. Tevin Coleman also didn't practice today because of a concussion. He's been the main guy there, clearly. He had 19 opportunities against Houston, 15 opportunity opportunities against Phillies, back-to-back flex-worthy games, 8 and 9.2 and half PBR. Was looking like a possible flex-worthy play again against New Orleans. This would leave Ty Johnson and Austin Walter. Ty Johnson would become a volume-based flex play, but against the Saints, that's literally the least... Like, that's the matchup you would want the least for an opposing running back. I feel like against the Saints, it'll be Ty Johnson, 8 rushes, 16 yards. Austin Walters, 7 rushes, 11 yards. But then Ty Johnson would also have 5 receptions for 24 Potentially, yards. Zach Wilson doesn't throw to the running back like Mike White did. Yeah. And Joe Flacco. The Saints do give up the second most points over average rushing. Maybe Zach Wilson uh, uses his legs a little bit. Some read options and such. To quarterbacks, yes. Um, but not a lot of excitement in this game outside of Hill. More if he goes in Kamara. I think Kamara has number one overall potential, though, in terms of position player this week. I like to hear that because I'm basically clinching to a playoff spot in our home league, but that'll that'll seal the a nice little win, a boost of confidence for yeah. the team going into the playoffs. Because I'm not going to get a bye, unfortunately. So yeah, I'll take because that. I got the bye. Yeah, I'm on the lawn. <laughs> oh. All right, uh, the next game up is the <laughs> a nice. <laughs> Early one for the uh, right. I feel like we usually say the uh, because they're on the West Coast. They're usually in the second episode. Uh, Also, I bet you Tim just fucked this up. Hold on, I'm checking what time the Raiders. Raiders and Chiefs Chiefs don't play at one. They do. No way they 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 play at one. Yeah, that's why the making such an early appearance. Uh, That is the Raiders. For those who don't know, the Las Vegas. uh, The first time listener, we we like to just say the uh, don't ask us why. I can't even find this game on the schedule right now. One o'clock, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, before I start, I'll go over the line on the Fantasy Football I brought up. The Chiefs Maybe. are nine and a half point favorites as they're getting much. hot again. And the Vegas line is at 48 and a half. This is actually one of our recommended bets. Um, shout out to Arian Madaris at No Cap Analytics on Twitter who created this theorem. Um when it's like three years ago and he was working for a big radio company and they wanted someone to make these uh, make this 
formula for them, and he did. And he's followed it every year. He's worked on it every year. And it's always had a return on investment over 9%. And he likes Brodo, and he wanted to work with us. So these are his. this is his formula, and he says that you should bet the over as long as it's 48.5 or more because he predicts that the over should be 50.5. So even though it's already a high, pretty high over-under, one of the highest in the, the week, we are looking at a prediction of even higher. So that means there should be some scoring. So we'll start with the home team, the Chiefs, because if they're scoring, we know who's going to do the scoring. Patrick Mahomes. Dude, Patrick Mahomes, obviously he's having a really difficult stretch right now. His fantasy output recently has been 8.7, 15, 10.4, 36, 8.5, 14. The 36 was against Las Vegas where he threw for 406 passing yards and five touchdowns. The only game where he hasn't struggled over the last six games is against Las Vegas. And I don't see why that would I don't see why that wouldn't be the case again this week. So you are confidently firing up Mahomes. I'm confidently firing up Patrick Mahomes, yes. Which means you are probably confident also about Kelsey and Hill, so we don't need to waste time on that. CEH and Darrell Williams. Yep. Um basically split time last week. Yeah, Darrell Williams was more the pass catcher, but also mixed in rushing a little bit. Did you know Darrell Williams led the Chiefs in receiving last week? He did. He had sixty receiving yards on Rough three week. receptions. Rough week all around. Um CEH Remember what happened last time he played Las Vegas? A hundred receiving yards and a touchdown. So he's nine targets, been nine receptions. Through when the he air. Absolutely domed that defender in the end zone. Like that glorious catch. Don't play. Yeah. Yeah. So CH continues to not take over the entire backfield. He's keeping room open for uh, Daryl Williams. Even so, he had 17 touches last week. 17 touches typically in the Chiefs offense is valuable. Why? Because you have a good likelihood of finding the end zone as well. Uh, CH has a touchdown in three out of his seven games played this year. Decent. Yep. Um, you expect him to maybe find the end zone a little bit more going forward. So he's a back-end RB2 like he has been, I think. RB RB 18 to 22-ish because the, the Raiders are also sixth in points over average with closing running backs. At equal in terms of rank, ninth receiving and rushing, which is good for CEH, um, good for Darrell Williams. I do think Darrell Williams has some flex appeal as well, um, being that he basically split overall snaps with um, CEH and got pass catching work. Yeah, but I'd say flex appeal at most because if you're starting Darrell Williams, you're you're banking on him catching some balls and yeah, you know it's not like Patrick Mahomes has always been a big check down person. Most of the games this season, Darrell Williams has three receptions or less, including last week he had three receptions. It's just that one of them was a long one, so not the most exciting start. Yeah, if we go over to the Raiders side. They're a funnel offense for a different reason, and that's just because you don't really know who's going to perform unless it's Renfro or Josh Jacobs. Locked and loaded. PPR wide receiver three, Hunter Renfro. Shall I say two? Shall I say one? One. Mame. One. Mame. Hunter Renfro's mad fucking good, and you start him. Like, every week you go over his stats and talk about how good he is. We don't need to do that anymore. He's a surefire wide receiver one. Don't doubt the man. He's been a top 14 receiver in PPR, what, four of the last five weeks? And there's no reason to think that's going to change. That's an absurd level of... Chiefs offense has improved, but come on. Of great consistency right there. Now, on to who's throwing the ball. Derek Carr is on a... Ready for this, Michael? Bad game, good game streak. 
the the patented. We have quarterback nineteen, bad. Quarterback seven, good. Quarterback twenty-three, bad. That's what I was going for. Nice. Quarterback eight, good. Quarterback twenty, to be determined. Good. He always plays up against the Chiefs too. He does. The Raiders always play the Chiefs hard, which is why I think the nine and a half might be a little much. I know that might sound stupid because, I mean, last time they played against each other, what was what was the final score in that game? The Chiefs ended up beating them forty-one fourteen. But I think they uh, they keep it a little closer this time, and uh, I definitely think Derek Carr is a streamable quarterback here because, like I said, he always plays up against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense has been absolutely amazing recently. Um, just a complete flip of the switch since their really, really rough start to the season. Since week six, they've allowed 13 points, then 27 to Tennessee, 17, 7, 14, 9, 9. During their five-game winning streak, they've allowed 17, 7, 14, 9, and 9 points. Hot damn. But even really even that time against Las Vegas, when they only scored 14, Derek Carr was a QB1 that week. So I think he's a streamable quarterback this week against the Chiefs, even though their defense has been so much better. Uh, for the rest of the weapons uh, on the offensive side of the ball, let's say the pass catchers. People are kind of tripping, like thinking Deshaun Jackson's like a – Good play, right? Uh, I never <laughs> played Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, okay. Um, and Brian Edwards is a giant to do. Like he has the do written across his chest. It doesn't say Las Vegas. Doesn't say Raiders. It says the do. Can't trust Zay Jones. But when you go to tight end, Ooh. we mentioned this on our was it the Monday pod or the patron pod? Foster Moreau only had one catch for thirty-four yards last week. First of all, that's four point four points, so it, it doesn't kill you for the tight end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Second of all, he the two targets that he didn't catch one was like a twenty-yard pass that should have been a catch, and one was like a twenty-yard touchdown that he could have caught. So he got important targets, and he could have had a three for seventy in a touchdown game, and people would be a lot more hyped about it. I'm not jumping off the Foster Morrow bandwagon here. I think he still has streaming appeal as a tight end. Me too. I'm um you know what? I'll double down. Morrow greater than Pitts this week. Oh, I I did that again too. Doubling down. I have Pitts back at cor- tight uh, tight end 14. Fuck a Kyle Pitts. Who the fuck, fuck is Kyle Pitts, fuck man? Fuck a Kyle Pitts. I'll tell you more about why I don't like Kyle Pitts on the next episode of Fantasy Football. And Josh Jacobs is a strong play because uh look, the Chiefs give up a lot of points to receiving um, running backs coming out of the backfield, eighth in points over average, receiving, 30th rushing. But Josh Jacobs is that guy um, at this point. He's a huge part of the passing game With ever since Darren Waller got shelved. Shelved. Targeting Josh Jacobs a ton. He had nine targets his last game, nine receptions from those nine targets, seven targets the previous game. Excuse me, four targets the previous game, and then seven targets the game before that, five the game before that. He's a part of the passing game now, which gives which increases his ceiling quite a bit. Um, back-to-back games, over 18 half PPR fantasy points. So sign me up with Josh Jacobs as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 this week. For sure. Yeah, keep firing up Jacobs. This is what you like to see if you drafted him. The upside is something that he did not have earlier in the year. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? I don't think so. All right, three down, uh, four to go, I believe. So the next one up, definitely not the next one on the schedule. This is my guess, at least. The Seahawks at the Texans. We have the same order. This game, we do, yeah. This game is essentially a 
ugly fest at this point of society. Um, society. <laughs> Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Society. Um, so we're looking at the Seahawks and Texans. I'm sure the over-under is going to be low on this one. The Seahawks are seven-point favorites, even with their struggles, which makes sense. And the over-under is 42.5, which is half a point above the lowest total this week of 42, which is actually shared by three different games this year, this week. You know what might be even uglier? There are two teams averaging under 60 plays per game this season. Oh, it's the, the Seahawks Texans and Texans. And the Seattle Seahawks. 57.9 for Houston, 55.3 for Seattle. The fact that Houston's, I mean, Seattle is 2.6 plays behind Houston for last place is just absurdly disgusting. On that note, brother, I think this is the most gigantic game of fool's gold for Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, huh? DK Metcalf is 11th in the league right, in true Jay, target value. In my home league. Tyler Lockett is 34th in the league in true target value. DK Metcalf has been had a few down games in a row. Tyler Lockett has had a few boom games. He's been good. It's now time for those roles to reverse. There's not going to be a lot to go around in that Seahawks offense running mad little plays against the Texans. I think this is going to be a classic Tyler Lockett one catch for nine yard game. All right, I got Tyler Lockett against Houston or Jerry Judy against the Lions. Uh, see, there I'm taking the upside on Lockett just because I don't want anything to do with the Broncos offense. Even against the Lions. Even against the Lions. Okay. But yeah. How disgusting is that? The two most slow-paced teams in the entire league face off with both of their, like, the Jacksonville, uh, not Jacksonville, the Houston offense is probably going to have Davis Mills. Yeah. They just continue to try to run the ball even when they're losing Come to with think Rex of it. Burkhead and company. You don't want to start anyone on the Texans. Like, this is another one where, look, if the Texans running backs didn't work out against the Jets, I don't want to bet on them to work out. Correct. Against the Seahawks. Yeah. David Johnson's likely going to return, which muddies the waters even further. The waters have been muddied. What it's about Brandon gross. Cooks? And then Brandon Cooks, who, like, the Seahawks, do you know what they rank in points over average to opposing wide receivers? 29th. This isn't the ideal matchup people think it is. And it's not a high-paced game or anything. Like, it's not ideal here for Brandon Cooks either, who... You know, I've just been shitting on Brandon Cooks for several weeks now because I, I don't want anything to do with him as a part of my fantasy teams. Like, since week three, this guy's put up 7, 4, 13, 4, 17, 9, 3, 12, 7. That is way too many single-digit performances, and that could happen at any point. Yes, he could catch a long touchdown against Seattle, but he could also go 2 for 18 like he did against Tennessee, who is a tremendous matchup. So it's like, I don't know, you, you want to trust Brandon Cooks as a hit or miss wide receiver three with the only thing I'd say about Brandon Cooks is that he has a decent ceiling because he can catch a long touchdown. But otherwise, like... I agree Cooks is the only one really you down. considering, and it's it's tough to even trust that. I want to ask you about something else. Shoot. You know how I feel about Lockett and DK this week. Gerald Everett sucked, like, so bad last week. Really bad. Like, I just, I can't believe that the Seahawks are going to give him an, another, like... A lot of chances in this game. Like, I'm just, I'm t- not even counting that as an option. Who's the running back for the Seahawks? Is it going to be Penny? Is it going to be AP? And do we trust them? It's a game against the Texans. I think it's probably be Penny. I, I'd, I'd assume Penny because, I mean, he had 10 carries last week. 
If I could bet in New York, he he caught. I would pass. have bet AP anytime touchdown because I could have told you Pete Carroll would have just been adamant about getting that old fuck into the end zone. Yeah, and then you got AP who scored a touchdown, even though it was absolutely pointless. Um, and he was not good otherwise. Alex Collins said he's feeling considerably better heading into Week 14. You kidding me right now? Like, it's gonna probably gonna be a three-headed monster. Let's call it a monster of Peterson. And then you're just hoping that one of them catches. Or Travis Homer, who's been mixing in and on passing work, and DJ Dallas, if he's back and playing, like, no, thank you. I'm just gonna stay away from that backfield because it's disgusting. Yeah, it's really bad. Like DJ Dallas caught what five passes. What's funny is so if you His look last at everyone, time he actually helped, and then he didn't play against San Fran. Like. He's probably not going to play much, and then right when people thought he might be getting a little bit part of the offense, it's gross. If you look at all of the running backs involved in this game, Dallas, even Travis Homer had the punt. Alex Collins might return. Rashad Penny, who knows what he's going to do. He he looked like the lead back last week. Adrian Peterson, David Johnson, Rex Burkhead. Like, there are like seven running backs who could potentially find the end zone in this game. And it's possible all of them combined for, like, 50 fantasy points. Yeah. But you're just not trusting any of them. There's a 0% chance they combine for 50 fantasy points. I'm just saying, if there's a chance in this disgusting-ass game. They're not going to run enough plays. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a good point. Anyone else you want to talk about? Nope. If that's the game, then we go to the next game that could be as ugly. Could be. The Jaguars at the Titans. Hmm. Another game where the uh, the over-under is pretty low. It's at 44 points, and the Titans are projected are nine-point favorites, which means that the implied total is like, what? What was the Third, over-under? 25 to 16? Something like that. Was that 44? It was 27 to 18. It's 44. It's 45. It's like 26 and a half to 17 and a half or something. Mm-hmm. So there you go, quick maths, kind quick of. Maths. It wasn't that quick. Um, I'll hop into what I think is the most intriguing option in this game. It's for the Titans, and it's the people running the ball, because Jacksonville is very bad. So, and the Titans, as we saw before their bye week, really wanted to run the ball, even though they were down by forty, and even though Derrick Henry is injured. So, if they're going to be that committed to running the ball. We have Deontay Foreman, who had over 100 yards. We have Hilliard, who, was, who went over 100 yards because of a long run. Dontrell Hilliard. And then we have Jeremy McNichols, who's probably returning from a concussion. How do we delve this up, and are any of them trustworthy? I, How do we delve this up? Delve it up. Delve it up. I think it's going to be Hilliard and Freeman as flex options, but they're risky because what happens if Dontrell Hilliard doesn't break out a 50-yard touchdown run? He ends with like 40 rushing yards on 10 attempts, and it's not really anything to write home about. But he did. Can't take that away from him either. The Jaguars, they're shockingly not a bad defense of late. Um, where you can attack him, though, is running backs on the ground, eighth in points over average, running backs on the ground. Otherwise, nothing really stands out between the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the tight ends. And Tennessee has really been struggling uh, passing the ball since they lost A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones might come back. He's been designated to return from injured reserve. He's an interesting guy. 
because he has not been good this year from a fantasy perspective. Literally has done nothing. Like nothing. He has not had a single useful performance. But how do you not trust him? Am I yeah, stupid right? for kind no. of trusting with like a wide receiver three against Jacksonville here? No, I agree, man. Because like Julio Jones is, if he's healthy, he's going to be the clear number one option. I'm not going to trust Nick Westbrook, Akina, or any of those guys. Like Marcus Johnson was interesting, but then he got hurt. Ryan Tannehill can't be trusted as long as they don't really have like pass catching options. Tannehill has been a lot down this season, unfortunately. AJ Brown's still out. So again, even this against the Jaguars, the Titans are eight and four, like the number two seed in the AFC, and it's like hard to trust any of their players from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I concur. Except their defense. I like their defense. I am intrigued by Julio Jones. I do think that it's okay to play him. The wide receiver landscape is not beautiful these days. Correct. Um, so moving on to the Jaguars side, another team where you're not too enticed to play a lot of people. James Robinson has been a great running back this year. Um, ranks very highly in rushing yards over expected. Just continues to produce. But he fumbles... And he's out for the rest of the half. So we're dealing with Urban Meyer, who's obsessed with using Carlos Hyde. So there's always that risk. And then there's just the fact also that Trevor Lawrence looks like a giant walking to do. Trevor Lawrence does not look good in his rookie season. And Marvin Jones has been disappointing on the outside. LaVisca Chenault is a scrub. Jamal Agnew, the only guy who actually looked like he could do something in this offense, got hurt. And Laquan Treadwell has attempted to replace him. And look, some people put Laquan Treadwell went four for 64. You should put him in your PPR lineup. I'm not trusting Laquan fucking Treadwell with Ryan Tannehill, with Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. And this Tennessee defense is not as bad as it was earlier in the year. Man. They're not giving up as many points. Marvin Jones, I know it's getting some people excited this week. He hasn't had a decent game. Don't since fall week for six. it. Don't fall for it. The Tennessee defense is good. Like I'm playing James Robinson, and that's it uh, on the Jaguar side too. Like this was, this was another game of players that you just don't want to have to trust. Unfortunately, James O'Shawn Hennessy. O'Shawn Hennessy only two point three against the Rams on six targets, eleven targets over the last two weeks. But he's done nothing. Like, you just can't trust this offense, man. Anyone else you want to skadoodly dap about? I'm ready to skadoodly dap onto the next skit, game. Skat, skat. Yeah, skat, All right. Um, the next game is the Falcons at the Panthers. Another, yo. NFL offenses are just disgusting these days. Right? Mm-hmm. They just suck. We need more. We need better quarterbacks in the league, man. Jeez. We do. Um, this game, the Panthers are favored by two and a half. I'm not sure how I feel about that. At a 42 huh? and a half point over under. So that's like a projection of like 22 to 19 type score. Um, so not a lot of scoring projected. And we'll start off on the Falcon side because Matt Ryan has thrown for one touchdown in the entire last four games. One touchdown. So you need to, You first of all, you hear that and think, man, I shouldn't start Matt Ryan. You're correct. Especially but the thing, the that's not the thing to take out of that. The thing to take out of that is, 
who do I start if I have to around him? Cordero Patterson has clearly shown that he is at offense. And that if there is going to be a touchdown scored, it's going to go to him. So you need to start him. But Kyle Pitts has not had more than eight half PPR fantasy points in six straight weeks. Kyle Pitts is a rookie tight end who they asked to now essentially be their wide receiver one or two. I'm not putting Kyle Pitts in my lineup. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't win with him. You can't win with him. Unless you have a team that could win with a four from your tight end. Yeah, basically. The only other person, I think Michael Wallen talk about him, that has some enticement with 241 yards and 27 targets over the last three weeks is Mr. Russell Gage. Yes, engage into Russell Gage. He has no touchdown upside either, though. His only bad games, really, have been donuts, but he's had two donuts in the last six games, which is not ideal, which makes him a boomer bust flex type player, but he's had back-to-back very nice games. He's getting red zone looks. Um, he has 19 targets combined over the last two weeks. You can't just overlook 12 targets and 11 receptions, 131, uh, excuse me, 130 yards last week. So I do think he has flex appeal this week against Carolina. No one else you're considering, right? No. No, no Olami days? No Olami days. So then let's move. Uh, no Mike Davis? Nay. All right, cool. Even though Mike Davis came back from the dead a little bit last week. So let's move on to Mike Davis's former team, the Carolina Panthers. Hey, oh, transitions. Tim would be proud. Woohoo! Cam Newton starting again. Joe Brady out the door. The Panthers offensive coordinator is no more. Apparently because they want to run more. Rhymes. Goodness gracious. So, if they do want to run more, Chuba Hubbard has not been better than running back 19 in PPR leagues this year. He was serviceable when CMC was out. He didn't kill your team, but he put up a running back 20 to 35 type performance. And Amir Abdullah seemed to be more involved when CMC got hurt a couple weeks ago. So what do we do about that? Yeah, this is a tremendous matchup here against Atlanta, though. Uh, You can't overlook that. They are favored, which they're not a very good team at this point with all the injuries and such. Um, But they're 10th in points over average, the Falcons, that is, uh, 5th. Rushing to running backs, fifth over average. So it lines up nicely for um, Chuba Hubbard to have a decent game, even if Amir Abdullah mixes in in the passing game and such. Obviously, Cam Newton being there takes away some rushing touchdown appeal because Cam Newton can be the goal line back, which makes me like Cam Newton as a streaming candidate this week. Risky, of course, because he could be benched for P.J. Walker, as he was against Miami. But Atlanta is not Miami's defense either. Um, And they have not gotten better throughout the season like Miami has. So I do think Cam Newton is also a streamable candidate here. Second points over average the Falcons are in giving up points to opposing quarterbacks. I don't entirely hate it. Um, And then when we're looking at who else you can start on that team, it's DJ Moore and no one else, right? Tell me more. Tell Even me DJ more. Moore. DJ Moore has been, I believe, like the wide receiver 40 over the last four weeks. It hasn't been great. He did look decent in the game where Cam Newton... Look, Cam Newton completed like two passes, but one of them was a 60-yard pass to DJ Moore. So you can't entirely hate it. But he's just too talented to not trust, at least as a wide receiver three flex, unless your team is loaded. Besides that, though, like Robbie Anderson can suck it. Brandon Zilstra can suck it. Terrace Marshall doesn't even play anymore. 
So that's how I feel about those other pass catchers. Yeah, DJ Moore checks in at a true throw value. What do you? Where do you think he ranks in true throw value, Jay? True target among value? wide receivers. Excuse me, true target value among wide receivers. Oh man, um, he's seen very invaluable targets this year. I'm honestly gonna go with wide receiver forty-two. Forty-three. Do I know my stat or what? Well, you know your stat. Despicable. And, and that's where he's been recently. Definitely Duck would say. Despicable. Really is. And that is who he's been recently. Um, so, I mean, you're likely playing him here against Atlanta, of course. He has that huge ceiling, as he's shown several times. So, I mean, I'm going to rank him as a top 20 receiver. But just know a bad game is possible because, I mean, he's had several bad games this season in what seemed to be great matchups. And that's what happens when... You have quarterbacks throwing you the ball that can't really throw the ball. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, anyone else to talk about in this game? Good sale. Uh, nope. That means we are up to the final game of the episode. The Ravens. The Ravens at the Browns. Interdivisional matchup. The division is interrelated. If we look at the lines for this one, we see... That the Browns are two and a half point favorites. Way ho, look at that. The Browns are at home and they're favored against the team that's leading them in their own division. And the over under is the lowest of the week, 42. Looks like Vegas is taking into consideration the fact that the Ravens have forgotten how to play sp- offense. Sp- sp- sputtering. From weeks 7 through 13, Lamar Jackson has seven throwing touchdowns to eight interceptions. Hollywood Brown has fallen to 22nd in true throw value, in true target value. Brown has fallen there, and guess who is 19th? Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is also pretty high in adjusted air yards. Mark Andrews has taken over that number one role for the Ravens. Tis. So you're firing up Mark Andrews happily. So when you look at the receivers, Marquise Brown has been wide receiver 43, 34, and 36 in the last three games. But he's seen 30 targets. So I'm still firing up Marquise Brown, man. Yeah. I mean, Lamar has also fallen to 21st in true throw value. Like, it's a guy who is in the top 10 earlier in the year. He's just, they've been sputtering. And uh, Lamar Jackson is having his first, like, stretch of bad games in a while, I'd say, because you're not used to this offense sputtering as much as they have. Um, Three straight games where he's put up less than 20 fantasy points, which you don't really see from Lamar Jackson with his rushing ability and uh, what he's shown being able to pass as well. So definitely not ideal. Um, This offense has not been looking good. Just came off a game against Pittsburgh where they lost by a point and the Steelers have not been great this year either. Um, But here we go. Cleveland's coming off a bye. Let's see how prepared and ready they come back because they, they, on the other hand, like the Ravens, were also kind of sputtering. Um, they started the season off hot. Looked like they had a chance to win the division. And then they've just been lost, lost, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Like they haven't won back-to-back games since week three to four. And now they're coming getting they're coming off a bye now. Um, they haven't scored. Guess when the last time they scored more than 13 points was? Uh, week... Week nine against Cincy. So three straight games where they scored less, 13 or less points. You can't trust Baker Mayfield. You you have... Tra- I have one person 
that I think is trustworthy. Well, Nick Chubb is always a good play. Brother, it's Austin Hooper week. Austin Hooper. You're, uh, you're joining me on the Austin Hooper bandwagon. Harrison Bryant is out. David Njoku is on the COVID list. Probably going to be out. That means that Austin Hooper is essentially the sole tight end on that team. And we've been saying all year that the Browns' number one receiver is their tight end. It's just that they have three of them. True. But now the three have merged into one. Mr. I got paid. Austin Hooper. I think if there was ever a week for Austin Hooper to eat, yeah, it was going to be this one. It's Austin Hooper week, folks. I think he is a strong tight end streamer. I also think Jarvis Landry is an interesting uh, interesting option as a wide receiver three flex candidate, especially in PPR leagues. Now back-to-back double-digit performances. Now that he's like getting healthy again. <clears throat> Just had the bye week as well. Um, I think you could trust him in that range. Definitely low ceiling, but he's been getting involved again. But these running backs, man... How could you trust, like, what are you doing with Kareem Hunt? Because this isn't the same offense that he was a part of in the beginning of the year that was putting up points. Or last year. That was healthy, that you could trust. I mean, it's been a, offense has been bad. He comes back, gets seven rush attempts for 20 yards, only sees one target. Nick Chubb was the clear first running back. I I don't know, man. It's just like, how do you, what do you do with Kareem Hunt? Like, Nick Chubb, you play him, obviously. But what do you do with Kareem Hunt? I think it's extremely difficult to trust Kareem Hunt this week. Because if you, if you look to, I, I had an interesting um, realization today. I went to points for opportunity excluding touchdowns on our app. And I noticed that essentially the entire top 10 is a stud in CMC. And then a stud in Cordell Patterson. And then a bunch of who Cordell Patterson could even fit into change of pace backs. Like the truth is we might not like it for fantasy purposes, but change of pace backs do well in the NFL. It's a guy with fresh legs against a person who, a team who's tired. And Kareem Hunt is top 10 in the league right now in points for opportunity excluding touchdowns. That means he's been super efficient to even be useful when he has been healthy. Is it the time where he's going to be super useful and super efficient? Yeah. I don't know. I find it tough to trust Kareem Hunt this week. Yeah, me too. Um, when it comes to the other pass catchers in this game, Rashad Bateman has seemingly lost his job to um, Sammy Watkins, so it's tough to trust any of those secondary options there. And then on the other side, we have DPJ, Hollywood Higgins, the wrong Hollywood in this game. I don't. I'm not trusting any of those people. You? No, me neither. I'm right. with you there. So anyone else you are interested in this game? No. That means we're done. Ah, done with that part means one. we're done, so brother. Next up is part done. Where can the people find you? At BrotoFF Mike. Find me at BrotoFF Jason. You can find Tim at BrotoFF Tim. You can find Cass at BrotoFF Casanova. <laughs> um, you can find the team at Broto Fantasy. You can find the Fantasy Football by Broto app on all app platforms. You can... Help us out and support us at patreon.com slash brotofantasy. What else can the people do? They can um, get a lot of perks at Patreon. And if you want to, please review the app and give it a good review to help us out. Um, We appreciate y'all and we will see you in 20 seconds or in 20 minutes or in 20 days or in 20 months, depending on when you start the next episode. Yep. Later.
Later.